Hey there, AJ Cordero here, a co-host on the Hockey Flow. I've been podcasting since 2007, and I've seen many changes over the years. But the best one has been the introduction of Anchor. And here's why. It's because it's easy and it's free. Seriously, I've spent so much time, money, and effort to get something at this level back in the day. Now, with a push of a few buttons, all that time, money, and energy are spent producing the show rather than distributing it. Now, you might not think you need a podcast, and hey, maybe you don't. But don't think of a podcast just as a way to get your news, sports, and entertainment fixes. It can be a way to tell your family's stories, shine a light on your hobbies and communities, go in-depth for a love of your team, or discuss how to change the world. The possibilities are limitless. Anchor provides creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. They also distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and every player that supports an RSS feed. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum requirement on the size of your audience. Don't waste a second. Download the free Anchor app on your smartphone today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it. Seriously. The world is waiting to hear your story. This is The Hockey Flow. It's a brand new show that brings Marco D'Amico and Adam Boucher to your ears to bring you the best and the brightest in the hockey world. Today is Wednesday, August the 12th, and you're probably going to get this on August the 14th. My name is Adrian Cordero. I hope you're doing great. Let's get right into it. Boys, we have quite an action-packed episode today, including, I should say, our first guest. We have a guest joining us today. Uh, we'll get to introduce him in a little bit. He's a New York Times writer who has discussed hockey at quite a length, and he'll be giving us his playoff predictions alongside of our own, which can be sometimes questionable in the accuracy. In any case, let's bring the absolutely best of the best here. Marco D'Amico of ScriptionStats.com. You can find his work at The Hockey Expert on Twitter. And, of course, Adam Boucher, who is at, at @reallyadamb on Twitter. So, where do you start off, boys? I think the best thing to start off is with the NHL draft, which happened on Monday night. Uh, excuse me, the NHL. Yeah, thank you. The NHL lottery. That's important to say. The draft will be in October. I apologize. So, uh, let's go from there. Uh, Mr. Correct, as always, why don't you lead it off? Because this is your uh, this is your realm. Well, I mean, yay. Edmonton didn't win its fifth first overall pick in the last 10 years. Um, that's fantastic. I know Salim's going to be pissed because he's an oiler for life. But... Uh, oh, spoilers! All right, that's who our guest is, Salim Nadim Valji. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought everybody knew by this point. <laughs> I think so. No worries. No worries. We're going to promo it hard. Oh, yeah, so. um, all this to say, I think it was. Um, I think this was the one of the better outcomes for the NHL. I think that it would have been an absolute nightmare if the Leafs or the Oilers or the Penguins, who already have established first overall picks on their team, uh, getting yet another crack uh, with Alexis Lafreniere. Um, you know, we saw the Rangers win. Quite happy for them. Um, a little salty also to see a team win the lottery two years in a row uh, with Capo Caco last year and now Alexis Lafreniere. Um, I think it's a foregone conclusion for everybody, although I feel like Quinton Byfield should be in consideration for the Rangers who, after Mika Zibanejad, do not have a center prospect. Uh, and Zibanejad's contract is coming up in two years, uh, and that's going to be a monster contract. So... Either they're going to retain Zibinijad and that's going to be crazy on their cap space, which is going to be flat by that point. Or uh, they're just going to go with winger depth to compensate for the lack of centers. Uh, and they'll just do what they always do and pluck one off a free agency. But other than that, congratulations to Rangers fans. First, first overall pick in the modern era. Uh, a lot of people will be like, well, they did have the first overall pick in 1965. Yeah, but six teams in a draft don't count. 
ultimately what we're going to do in this, in this section is look over what these teams want uh, and what that means for the teams that qualified for the playoffs. Ultimately, we're going to be looking at the Montreal Canadiens dropping to 16th overall, the Chicago Blackhawks dropping to 17th overall, and the Arizona Coyotes, who saved grace on the Taylor Hall trade, whom they sacrificed a first-round pick, amongst other things, for uh, not gifting the New Jersey Devils a top-10 pick. After all, it'll probably be 18th. So this is really good for the NHL. They save face, as we said. And this is going to provide a lot of discussions now that hockey is very uh, prominent, that we know where the teams lie, essentially from 1 to 15. You can kind of assume that the Canadians, the Blackhawks, especially after their loss yesterday, uh, and the Coyotes uh, won't make it necessarily to the conference final. So we know, give or take, the first 20-ish teams, which is great. And it allows for mock drafts to occur. I know the Athletic has done a few already. Um, and I think this is going to be an exciting time. The draft is now officially two months away. So I guess we can already start talking about prospects. So I don't know where you want to take it from here, Adam. We could talk about literally anything you want now. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, I think the the league saved their own face by, by well, they got lucky in the Rangers getting first overall. Um, I think we have to talk about the first overall pick now. Um, so Lafreniere is should be the first overall he's been hyped all over like all over the league as in number one as you said uh the rangers really need a uh, a center and he's a winger so should we start off from there and just maybe i want to hear your opinion first I'll um somebody else. i like i like i like the idea of 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 them picking someone else but i think Can they actually do it, especially in a big market like New York? I I mean, they had the choice last year. They decided to go with Capocaco, but there was a plethora of centers that were available. Dylan Cousins, Alex Turcotte, uh, Kirby Dak that we're seeing for Chicago right now, Trevor Zegers. Uh, the list is long. Uh, and they chose to go for wingers then because obviously you don't assume that you're going to win the lottery two years in a row unless you live in Alberta. So the way that it works... You know, you pick the best player available and you see where the cookie crumbles. I think that that's, that's going to be the thing. Um, you know, would this mean that they could mortgage their first round pick acquired from the Carolina Hurricanes and the Brady Shea deal, along with a prospect like Vitaly Kravtsov that they drafted ninth overall in 2018 to potentially get a center prospect in the same mold as these guys? Possible. Uh, they've done crazier things like trade a first round pick and Neil Pionk for Jacob Truba. But ultimately, I feel like the Rangers are in the driver's seat. They have the assets. They have the young guys that they can turn around and trade. So, uh, you know, a team with, with a plethora of, of, of defensemen like them or wingers can easily turn around and make a trade for a center. No issue there. And then you have two line-driving wingers, along with Panarin, obviously, uh, in Kako and uh, Lafreniere for the next five to ten years. No issue. And you have a goalie to trade. And they have a goalie that's, to trade. So maybe maybe they fill that assets, and they yeah. go and get Dylan Strom from Chicago because they obviously, Chicago needs a goalie. It's pretty evident because they're playing against the only other one they had behind Crawford. Uh, I, I think it's very mm -hmm. evident. A lot of people said maybe if Chicago stayed at 10th overall, uh, they could have drafted Askarov. 
I believe that that could have been a serious contender because they desperately need another franchise goalie after Crawford, um, who's playing great, by the way. I just, I, he's, he's old. He's, he's in the last legs. So they need someone. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think the door is wide open. Um, I think where things start to get interesting would be the fourth overall pick that belongs to Detroit, because I think the consensus in the league uh, is that regardless of what LA does, uh, it's a toss up between Stutzla and Quinton Byfield for two and three. Um, and then I think the so draft then, really plays out at fourth overall. So then the question is, I guess, is it Drysdale that goes ahead in that li- lineup or is it Rossi? Neither. I don't, I think it's that? Cole Perfetti folks. I think that yeah. Saginaw is very close to Detroit. Steve Eiserman has gone to many games. Cole Perfetti has improved greatly on his speed. Uh, bear in mind that, you know, if we look at the scoring in the CHL, you had Marco Rossi, number one, Lafreniere, number two, and then you have Cole Perfetti, number three. Cole Perfetti played with absolutely no one until about mid-January on the Saginaw Spirit. Uh, they got uh, Ryan Suzuki at trade deadline, uh, and then Bodie Wild was finally sent back from the Islanders to the Saginaw Spirit, and he went on an absolute terror. The only player better than Cole Perfetti in 2020 was Seth Jarvis. So, to me... Fourth overall pick, the guy can play center. He can play left wing. Uh, he just, he screams Steve Eiserman to me. He just, he's got it all. So then my question is, because I mean, obviously I've read some of these lists and that's why I know about Drystone Rossi, but Rossi was talked about of being a key, potentially a key addition to the Red Wings rebuild here because they need somebody at forward. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And so, did- and like, I mean, Rossi has that, like, I mean, when I was reading my notes, like you, they talked about his competitive level. I mean, how, like he was similar in profile to like a Claude Giroux kind of player. Actually, I'd, I'd, I'd say Cole Perfetti is Claude Giroux. I think Marco Rossi is more of a Brad Marchand-esque kind of center which is again, is you're talking about is... two elite players here. It's like no, I'm not no disagreement. No, no, yeah, I know. That's it. It's like literally f- picking at straws when it comes to these two players because I'd take both on my team tomorrow, uh, and I would sacrifice a lot to get them. That's so you don't think that? Yeah. So the other factor here that I brought up earlier was Jamie Drysdale from um, I think Erie. If I'm not yeah, thinking, Erie Otters. Uh, so then, but I mean, you don't think they're looking at a D in this particular market? Is it more of a? No, they game? just drafted Cider last year, uh, who is yeah. a right D. And who was a reach at that time isn't anymore, in my opinion, never was to begin with. But right. ultimately, they've done it already. They have Hronik already on the roster coming up. Um, they've, they've, they've went and got Madison Bowie, who's kind of finding his groove there as well. They got young defensemen coming in. Jared McIsaac for the Halifax Mooseheads was a, a good defensive defenseman. So these are guys that are going to stabilize the blue line. The other thing I'd like to state is that Detroit has a ridiculous amount of cap space, and there's quite a few defensemen in free agency this year. And there's a flat cap, which means contenders aren't going to be able to spend like they used to. So I think that money wise, I think Detroit's going to fix their, 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 their defense in the short term already. And then you're going to have guys just come in and fill those slots that they've drafted. I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit went defense in the second round though. So uh, would you would you go ahead and say Ottawa's picking the first defenseman I in the think, first round since they have two? I think picks. so. They're go Drysdale. They're going to go Drysdale. I think that they're going to go lefty on this one. Uh, and the you know Senators fans are going to be like, "What do you mean?" Well, lefty as it stands is a little undercrowded. People are going to be like, "What?" Well, they have Thomas Shabbat. Yes, they do. But who's after him? Well, no, you know, didn't they trade for Eric Brandstrom? Fair point, but Eric Eric Brandstrom is a lefty that prefers to play the right. 
So if we look at right eligible defensemen or right willing defensemen, you have now Eric Branstrom. You have uh, Lassie Thompson that they drafted first uh, in the first round last year, I believe 19th or 20th overall. I uh, know 19th overall, 20th overall was Hainala. Uh And then you had uh, the year prior to that, uh, Bernard Docker that they drafted, I believe, 28th overall, uh, who plays in North Dakota. And the left defenseman I'm referring to is actually going to North Dakota. Second round pick for the Ottawa Senators, Shane Pinto, also plays for North Dakota. So clearly they like that system. Uh, so I believe Jake Sanderson would be the guy at number five. Yeah, so he gets up before. I Drysdale. believe so. I Maybe. believe that Ottawa has many yeah. players like Drysdale already in their in their prospect pool. Uh, I believe that Sanderson provides something that no a team doesn't have, and I think there is an outside chance that Steve Eiserman again shocks the world and picks Sanderson fourth overall because they desperately need that number one left defenseman. Right, and sorry, top pair left defenseman, not number one. So your pick is finally my pick would be Sanderson. Sanderson, interesting. So you're you're going to pass up on Drysdale, potentially pass up on Rossi. This is, I, would, I mean, it's I, I, I mean, I, I get it. I get the logic. I get the logic right? too. I, get, I, get. I want to throw one last tidbit. If it's not Sanderson, it won't be Drysdale. It won't be Rossi. I think it'll be Lucas Raymond. Oh wow, from Falunda. Yeah, buddy. I think that they're they've been in love with him. I think that we know how much uh, Dorian is in touch with Sweden. Bear in mind, this is the guy that pushed to have Eric Carlson drafted in 2008. Uh, this is the guy that went and got Mika Zabinijad. And this is the guy who pushed to have Eric Branstrom in the trade for, for Mark Stone. So I would not be surprised. So then I guess uh, jumping out from here, the next team that's up in the lineup is the Anaheim Ducks. If, if Perfetti's already taken, then is this where, where would you, is this where Drysdale ends up? Mm. No. Or do you think they, or do you think they opt or like for like an Alexander Holtz or like a- I think they if Lucas Raymond is still available they go for Lucas Raymond. And that's what I think is going to happen. If Lucas Raymond is available, that's their guy. If not, they go for a guy like Holtz. Why? Because they got the first line playmaking center last year in Trevor Zegers. Give him a trigger man, give him a guy that can keep up, and I think one of those two guys is going to be able to keep up. See, this is what's interesting because your 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 concept here about Perfetti is like I mean, I'm, the research I looked around, Perfetti was clearly looked at and favored around the Anaheim Ducks organization, but uh, clearly uh, I'm not seeing the whole picture. But, well, it's uh, been released that Perfetti has had a Suzuki esque summer uh, and really improved his stride, explosivity, and lower body. So you're really starting to see a guy that could potentially come in and be provide Detroit with that one two punch that they haven't had since the Zetterberg Datsuk days. Uh, with Larkin Perfetti long term. Well, that will be the little bit of a mock draft and talk that we'll be talking right now because we just went through the lottery system. We're going to have plenty of time before the draft in October, so we'll get giving you your top six, Marco's take on it. And of course, if you have further questions, reach out to him directly on Twitter at the Hockey Expert. Make him work his uh, his credentials over there so that we can prove exactly just why he is the Hockey Expert. But now we're going to turn to our featured guest of our episode, our first official guest on this new show, The Hockey Flow. We'd like to thank uh, Mr. Slim Nadim Valji. Uh, Slim Valji is a New York Times contributing writer. Uh, you can find his work all over the place, wherever good printer, wherever good sports stories are told. But New York Times is the big one where he has uh, found a wonderful base. You can find his work also on his Twitter page at Slim Valji. That's spelled S-A-L-I-M-V-A-L-J-I. Slim, how you doing? Good. Thanks a lot for the shout out. So uh, 
Marco knows that you can never have uh, enough Twitter activity. So yep. thanks a lot for the plug. People, slide into his DMs. This is a New York Times writer with loads and loads of experience. But I also want to particularly promo uh, a very big article that you did for the Times, specifically on NHL players uh, and their forming of the Coalition uh, for Diversity in Hockey. So people, if you haven't looked into this, look it up. It's available. I don't even think it's uh, it's uh, locked. You can go and w- read it, even if you don't have a New York Times subscription. So go check that out. But right now, we're having Salim on for a little bit more of a brighter subject, and that is playoff preview. So we've already headed into the playoffs, and cl- last night, we had a five overtime game. I'm just going to let it. I'll, so, so let me, I'll let you start off here. What, what was your impression of that? I mean, I watched it. My impression looking at it after I, I've always been fascinated with John Tortorella as a human being. Um, and I would love, I wish someone like that, you look at the way John Cooper speaks versus the way John Tortorella speaks. And John Cooper is telling you what is being said during intermissions. And he's, He's kind of saying, oh, yeah, we ran to the Boston Bruins coaches and we were laughing with them. John Tortorella is the uh, exact opposite. And you just, to me, this this Columbus Blue Jackets team since Tortorella and since Yarmo Kekalainen took over is probably the most overachieving team in the National Hockey League, potentially in all of North American pro sports. And it would be fascinating to get more of an insight into their processes and procedures and how you get a group that I think they only had one twenty goal scorer this season, and how you get a group like that to who uh, two so um, a lot less than the Toronto Maple Leafs either way. So uh, how you get them to gel, how you get them to play as gritty as they do. They didn't win last night, but they they've clearly shown that they're they're able to to battle with the big players in the Eastern Conference. So that was my first thought. Um, Corpusal, what what more can you say? Eighty five saves on eighty eight shots and. Um, it looked like it looked like they weren't giving up high quality chances in overtime either. It seems like they they maintain that structure that John Tortorella um, trademark kind of thing. So those were my thoughts. It was fascinating to watch it unfold either way, and I'm sure. I'm sure none of us will forget that anytime soon. No, certainly not. 3 p.m. start, uh, 9 something p.m. <laughs> ending. That's quite the day. Uh, I'm, I'm, well, that the players only ate at 9 a.m. too, so they went over 12 they hours. They were being fed about. mustard on the bench. What is that? Yeah, actually, that's, a, uh, that's an actual thing in sports. Yeah. You're fed mustards for electrolytes and to calm so that your body absorbs really? the water. Yeah. Whoa, that's crazy. It is, I would never have is. thought that. Ovechkin it's probably like, would have is, had Was it like a, a French's or like a Dijon? Like, what, what Are you serious? I don't know, man. It's the bubble. Might be some organic. <laughs> you, the stuff. fact that you knew that, I was willing to throw out that question. Oh, no. The, even Eva pointed it out when we were watching. Eva pointed it out. <laughs> so, how does it work? Are they given packets? Is it like smelling salts where you like, put it on your. <laughs> I, 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 I think I, I saw like an actual jar somewhere. Because Evo's so like a spoon full of mustard helps the electrolytes go I, down. Before I go to the gym, like if I haven't eaten all day and I'm intermittent fasting, I'll take a scoop right away just to, and choke, choke it down with water, and you just get woken up. Especially like the Dijon style, like you just wake up. It's part of the fumes. Well, That's fascinating. Really fascinating. Uh, the more you know. Sorry, guys. Conversation could get off no, no, it's great. Uh, so um, I, we should get back into this uh, the introduction of the first round. But actually, I kind of jumped the gun here. We have to talk about the conclusion of the play-in series, right? So we had quite a few player-in series here. Um, I'm going to actually throw it over to you, Adam. Let's start off with the first one, which is the New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. 3-1 series win for the New York Islanders. What's your take on this? Honestly, not much to say for that series. Um, the Islanders, they just kept going. We saw 
I loved what I saw from Pajot and Beauvillier in that series. You're talking about two third line players who shouldn't have made that big of an impact and they just ended up winning the series for them. And we saw, once again, we saw Bobrovsky just not up to his uh, 10.5 million cap hit, right? Certainly. Uh, from there, let's jump over to the other side of the uh, conference. Let's talk about Winnipeg versus Calgary. We had quite the series there. Calgary winning that series 3-1. Um, I'm going to get your take, because you're the man from out west, at Salim. Tell me, I know it's not the the teams that you're, you love, but uh, I'd still like your comments on what you think. Uh, I thought uh, a lot of people have remarked that, that Winnipeg seems to be very mentally tough. And that kind of starts with Paul Maurice and it goes down. And you saw that again, without lining and Shifley, they didn't really allow that to get, um, to get them off track. They put up a good fight. Uh, it's tough for, for, um, a team like that to, to how you build. And you had the Dustin Bufflin situation kind of play itself out and you had a lot of things that could have gotten them off track. And even, even having someone like Connor Hellebuck who had question marks about him in that and, and he rose to the occasion, um, it was, it was interesting to watch how they, uh, just adapted to all of that. And they, they played well, uh, Calgary is, it seems to be much deeper. They have a more mobile back end, uh, with, with the likes of, um, Giordano kind of anchoring that and Winnipeg not, might not having the equivalent puck mover to facilitate offense from the back end. But I was impressed with Winnipeg, all things considered, they could have easily thrown the towel in at different points this season and, they didn't make it maybe to the technical playoffs, but but it was it was a good fight for sure. Sweet. I'm going to keep you on the line here because uh, the next series that we're going to talk about is Chicago versus the Edmonton Oilers. And you're a diehard uh, Oilers fan. Yeah. Uh, as November rain begins to play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, we don't have the money to license it, but you just imagine it, folks. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Axel. Uh, Axel, Axel Rose. Everyone. Yes, and because Guns N' Roses will definitely sue us if we play any of their music. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it goes to show again. We we talk about how organizations are constructed and the ghosts of Pierre Chiarelli rearing their their head. Um, you look at you look at the fact that I think Drysdale, Nugent Hopkins, and and uh, Mr. McDavid combined for what twenty points, twenty one points in the series, and they still couldn't find a way to win. I was actually impressed with how Smith and Koskinen played this whole season, but again, um, goaltending was a question mark coming into this season and an 899 save percentage in that series um, kind of tells you that, that that position needs to be shored up. And, and I think you, you, you have to support McDavid better. You, you have to give him wingers. You have to, I don't think they're going to qualify at fantasy you just at his number, but especially now, given it's a cap world and the, the cap will remain flat and you don't know if Daryl Cates has lost some a lot of money during the pandemic, if the internal cap will be even lower. I don't know how you reconstruct a forward group like that. I don't know if you can bank on Tyler Ennis coming back at 100% given he has a broken leg. So it's, again, roster construction, right? And Edmonton just hasn't had... The ability to do so under the best with the best player in, in of his generation. So. With several great first round picks as well. So uh, we'll see how that keeps going. Let's talk about uh, another um, series that we want to laugh at a little bit. And everyone I want to tag in. Well, I'll start off with you, Marco, because you have the acerbic wit to really skewer this series. <laughs> uh, Columbus Blue Jackets versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. All right. Well, let's see. The team that couldn't finish and the team that doesn't finish. Made for the most boring series in hockey. Um, I really enjoyed this series from an emotional standpoint because there wasn't many ups and downs. It was just consistent, like, monotony. And 
if you looked at the way we were talking about John Tortorella, just as, as someone came on, um, I feel like this team is being led strictly by that first pairing on any other team. Zach Wierenski is a number one defenseman. Seth Jones is a Norris caliber defenseman. The fact that he is not considered for the Norris at any point, because let's face it, it's pretty much become the Bobby Orr trophy. Uh, the fact that jo- uh, Jones is not considered a Norris candidate right now is an insult. Uh, besides what he's done in the playoffs, and especially after last night playing, what, 65 minutes and breaking the t- uh, time on ice record in a single game that belonged to Sergei Zub- Zubov that lasted 17 years almost. Uh, so you got to give him credit. Uh, I really, really like what I saw from the way that they played defense. I think the forwards bought in. Uh, obviously, Pierre-Luc Dubois... Uh, Got a little bit of a tell-off on the bench, I believe, in Game 2, but came back in Game 3 and scored a hat-trick. So that is the kind of clutch play you're going to need. Another guy who I believe has really played up to his potential is Bjorkstrand, uh, who was a killer junior offensive player in the WHL, uh, and now is really kind of slowly finding his groove. Uh, 20-goal scorer this year. Played great yesterday. Uh, I will say one thing about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that is that offense does not win championships. Uh Anderson stood on his head for most games. Yes, he let in a softy in the last in the last little bit to uh, to Jean, uh, Liam Foodie. Sorry, not Jean Luc. That's next year. Um, just absolute masterclass goaltending on each end. Anybody who blames the series on Anderson clearly wasn't watching their defense. Um, and I really do think that this is the end of the big four forwards in Toronto. I fully expect one to be traded this summer. Ooh. I'm looking forward to that. Well, we say summer, but yeah, it's heading into the Sorry, fall. Yeah, like, yeah, off you're, season. You're, 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 no, off season. Yeah, Worse you're right. Uh, uh, no, it's totally understandable. Let's uh, move over and pivot over to the Arizona Coyotes and the Nashville Predators, a series that ended up with Arizona winning 3-1. Uh, I'll throw it over to you, uh, Adam. What do you think about this particular series? What's the big takeaway? My big takeaway was goaltending for that series. So Quemper absolutely stole the, the series for, for Arizona. And we saw uh, Saros on the other side, not even Rene. Rene played a game, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. He played one. So the, the tandem for Nashville was just not there. And we saw again uh, forwards for Nashville not playing up to their potential. And I think they're going to be losing some big parts this offseason. So, yeah. Ominous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go from there. The second to last series, the Minnesota Wild versus the Vancouver Canucks, with the Vancouver Canucks blanking them three one in the series. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Marco. What do you think in that particular one here? The kids are all right in Vancouver. Look at that, <laughs> Elias Pettersson, monster. Quinn Hughes, monster. One guy that I was actually happy that decided to show up for the playoffs for once was JT Miller. That guy's been a ghost in the playoffs <laughs> for so many years. That's why Tampa traded him his contract, the way the money he was making, he just wasn't worth it on the third line. So yeah, I, th- I was really happy he showed up. Uh, I think that despite the major injury to Tyler Toffoli, uh, they were able to kind of come together as a group. Uh, Minnesota, I believe didn't even have one uh, five on five goal. So again, I'm kind of happy that Minnesota is getting the ninth overall pick because they desperately need to continue that, that retool that they're doing. Um, and honestly, any any lineup that has Galchenyuk in their top six is really not going to win much. Uh, so they need go- <laughs> they need to focus on their youth. They have an elite goaltender that's coming through the Iowa Wild right now in Kakonen. Uh, they've got Kaprizov that's starting as of next year, and that's going to be rather electric. Think uh, 
Artemi Panarin, Nikita Gusev style. Um, so really, I think that the Minnesota Wild are going the way that the Vancouver Canucks did about four to five years ago. And look how well it's worked out for the Vancouver Canucks. So kudos to them. I guess the, the, the big difference, though, would be the contracts of Suter and Parise. Those kind of hamstringing you. How, how, do you, how do you manage that? I don't think Vancouver had those kind of bad deals. They signed them maybe after with Furland and, and Beagle and Roussel. But uh, how, how, I don't know how you navigate this suitor Parise transition. Well, they got rid of the recapture penalties uh, rule, so that's kind of easier now. It's no longer uh, $12 million a season. It can't be higher than the actual cap hit of the player. The other thing to look into is the fact that these are front-loaded. So they're far, they're, they're far easier to buy out. Um, it won't be that yeah. big of an issue. And plus, Suter is playing great. I wouldn't even touch Suter. Uh, Parisi is, is really the one that I'm a little concerned about. Uh, so that's okay. But in this setting, as they continue to accumulate elite young talent, those guys are going to come in on entry-level contracts and compensate for the fact that these guys are overpaid. Versus uh, when Vancouver was doing it, they still had the Sedins around. Edler was making $6 million a year. And let's not forget, they signed Ericsson in the middle of a rebuild to $6 million for the next century. <laughs> so it, it's not like Vancouver didn't yeah. have to navigate around contracts and they're going to have to do it as early as this summer anyway. True. So this brings us to the final series, the one that we have to all serve ourselves a nice, happy slice of humble pie. This was the Montreal Canadiens Pittsburgh Penguin series and we won it. Uh, 3-1. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam, to start off this, uh, this, uh, here, here, I got, I got your slice right over here. Here, you're welcome. So what are you, what are you going to say, son? Carey Price, MVP Carey Price. That's what we saw. We saw, um. Just stood on his head. Just stood on his head. Yeah. He was the X Factor for Montreal. We saw a very strong decor as well, which I'm surprised played better than the Pit- Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, we saw, I think it was Petrie, uh, Weber, and Sherrod combined for 10 points in that series. Um, yeah, that stole the show. And you saw great performances by uh, the kids up front in Suzuki, uh, Kotkaniemi. And yeah, you saw great performances all around. Awesome. Uh, Salim, what were your take on this series? Uh, pretty much, pretty much uh, what Adam said. You look at uh i think they were uncomfortable being called the big three lights but uh petrie weber and um Chirot, i think i don't think weber was on the ice for a five-on-five goal against no. uh which is pretty remarkable and and again the way the way kakanyemi showed up we we were all wondering whether he he kind of um succumbed to this season being a bit of a write-off and and he showed up scores a couple of goals Suzuki doing a remarkable job. I'm impressed with Claude Julien as well. The the willingness to break up arguably one of the top top lines in the game in Tatar, the Noah Gallagher and and bouncing his offense out. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering, Marco, you probably know the answer to this. Was there ever when when was the last time the Montreal Canadiens defeated a team and that team in the playoffs and that team fired its assistant coaches uh, in the following week? I can't recall that happening. I mean, but yeah, it was a remarkable I... series. Was Bruce Boudreaux fired in 2010-11 by the Washington Capitals after the half beat them? I think that's the only one that comes to mind, which in reality is a little bit like I'm petitioning to have uh, Kirk Muller replaced at this point because that power play is just horrible. So the fact that Pittsburgh turns around and does it, it's like, oh, come on, man. Let's hire Sergey Gontra right now. 
but no, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I feel like this was a masterclass of coaching by Claude Julian. You're never going to hear me say it again. Um, but it's just finally, finally just stop playing your favorites and go with it. I know that we were weary about breaking up one of the best five on five lines in the NHL over the last two years. But if you look at the numbers of that Suzuki line, the moment he was put with them, there's a little bit of a reason why those, those possession numbers didn't drop. And that is Thomas Tatar and, and Brendan Gallagher, because you have your yeah. two best wingers on the same line, which I'm still iffy on, by the way, but the duo of Suzuki and Tatar, uh, Suzuki and Tatar to me uh, is what's going to make the difference versus the flyers, for example. And I, which is convenient because that brings us now to yeah. our actual first round of the playoffs. So let's talk about that. Canadians versus the Flyers. Carey Price versus Carter Hart. This uh-huh. is, yeah, this is going to be a treat, mm-hmm. uh, as, as Adam put here in the notes. And I 100% agree. Yep. Uh, okay, so like quickly, three things, Adam. What are the key things that we have to take away from this series? Because we've got to go through a lot of them. Yeah, so Montreal keep, uh, needs to write a hot Carey Price into this series. Um, the decor needs to carry on where they left off uh, in that fourth game against Pittsburgh. Um, one thing I'm interested to see is how they're going to line match if they keep Suzuki and Tatar, uh, Tatar and Gallagher on the first line together. How uh, Philly's going to line match them? Um, I I saw a lot of Kevin Hayes. He's a very big center. He he takes up he takes up a lot of place, and he's very like up-in-your-face type of player. Uh, I'm interested to see if Suzuki can play up and basically counter what he's going to be doing to him if they line match those two lanes. Pretty awesome. So uh, clearly a series that we're all going to look forward to, and we're not going to make predictions, or we should make predictions. Let's, predictions, let's go around the room. Uh, Marco, what are you thinking? In how many games? Who is winning? Philly and six. Philly and six. Uh, Salim, what are you thinking? Uh, I'll go Habs and six. Habs and six. Adam, what are you thinking? <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go Philly in seven. And I'm going to go Habs in seven. So uh, we have our picks there. I'm going to start to believe, and I'm going to be disappointed as always. <laughs> so it's all good. Uh, let's move on to a series uh, that's really, really exciting as well. The Carolina Hurricanes versus the Boston Bruins, which is actually taking place right, right now. now as we're doing this show. Uh, yes, hockey in the middle of the day. Whee! Hockey in the middle of the morning. Yes, this is yeah. uh, this might be the dream. <laughs> this might be the one. Well, yeah, and everyone on the West Coast is like, we get this all the time. You're being ridiculous. Yeah, they had uh, it with so, their cup of coffee this oh, morning. Oh. 8 a.m. game. Like, seriously, that's the life. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. Like the Olympics. Uh, so um, in any case, uh, I'm going to throw it over to you, uh, Marco. Your, what are your takeaways on this particular series? Oof. Uh, I really think Carolina takes it this year. This was the Eastern Conference final last year, was it not? And Boston swept Carolina, did they not? So the way I see it, I think that Carolina is a, a stronger team, a wiser team. I think it's very easy to see that Aho, Svechnikov, Teravainen, um, that core of, of young forwards is more matured, more ready, more apt to play the game. They absolutely demolished the New York Rangers from A to Z. Um, I think it's I think it's their time. I think Boston. I think something weird is going on in Boston, especially with their goaltending situation. So it's going to be fun to see. Uh, I think this is Boston's last major hurrah before they really have to double down on the cap situation. So it's going to be fun. But I think it's the team that's going to be able to possess the puck and be most disciplined, which is the biggest moniker used in hockey, is going to win this. But in reality, with all the penalties we've seen in the qualification round, the most disciplined team is going to win this. All right. So let's go around. Sorry, go ahead, Adam. Yeah. I'll go ahead and add, I think 
Carolina has the best decor in those playoffs. Uh, they got back Hamilton uh, for game one. I And I really liked what I saw from Slavin, Shea, Vatnin before he came back. So I think now we add Hamilton to that top four. And I think it's it's honestly one of the best uh, defensive. Offensive, defensive, of course. In- I agree. Defensive, I give Columbus. Yeah, I have to agree with that too. But uh, no, I'm fully on board for on on the Canes bandwagon. Okay. All right. Now. So the, now we got bandwagons yeah. coming out. Let's get those predictions in. So uh, Adam, where are you taking? Who are you taking? How many games? I'm gonna go Canes and six. Canes and six. So who are you thinking? Yeah. Uh, Canes and five. Canes and five. Marco, what are you thinking? Canes and seven. Canes and seven. I'm gonna go Canes and six. Uh, sorry, no Bruins fans. <laughs> Nobody likes the Bruins, <laughs> which is the way you like it. So enjoy. Uh, all right, let's return over to the Columbus Blue Jackets at the Tampa Bay Lightning, a game that went to five overtimes. Uh, oh, excuse me, four, no, four, five, uh, but fourth longest no, game me, of all five. time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, no, I know. That's because you did the hand thing, and I was like, "What? What am I? Did I screw it up? No, I, it was five. I, I was watching it at the at the terrace. Anyway, um, so I'm going to throw this over to you, Salim. I mean, can Columbus repeat that upset? Right. I mean, that's obviously what's playing in the back of their minds. Tampa Bay ended up winning the game. And in, I mean, it is how it is. You're just exhausted. But can Columbus re- relive that moment of sweeping them? Obviously not, but they can definitely get an upset. So do you think that's still a, a, that's still a plan? They still that that's a priority. What's happening? I think it's still a plan. I don't think given uh, how Tampa Bay reconstructed their roster that that's going to happen again this year. You look at the the model that Tampa Bay used last year it was pretty similar to the way the Toronto Maple Leafs are right now it's kind of run and gun skill um, you know shooting off the rush scoring off the rush trying to be fancy and creative in the offensive zone not a ton of extracurriculars after the whistle and and we've seen a couple of instances now the Toronto Maple Leafs and last year's Tampa Bay Lightning where that just didn't work Tampa Bay readapts and. Uh, their their general manager Julian Brisebois adds Barkley Goudreau. He adds Blake Coleman, uh, Patrick Maroon. Players that that aren't afraid to get physical. They go into the corners, and because of that, I think um, I think as a result, it's it's tough for Columbus to to repeat. You have someone like Vasilevsky who's one year older, one year wiser. Uh, I'm I I can't see Columbus upsetting, but I can see them pushing Tampa to seven games. Adam, sure. do you have any points you want to add on that? I mean, you I mean Corpusalo, right? I mean that's a pretty big factor, don't you think? Yeah, Corpusalo is um, he's the real deal this year, at least. Um, I don't. I, I keep rooting against Columbus, and I'm gonna go again and. And say I, I love what Tampa Bay, like Salim said, I love what Tampa Bay um, added to their roster from last year. They added Maroon, they added size, they added uh, Coleman as well. Uh, so no, I'm going to go Tampa Bay on this one. All right, so let's go around and get those predictions. Uh, I'll throw it over to you, Salim. Who are you taking in this series? How many games? I'll go Tampa Bay in seven. Tampa in seven. Marco, who are you thinking? Tampa in five. Tampa in five. Adam, how do you think? It's going to end up I'm going Tampa and Tampa six. six. I'm going to go yeah. Tampa and six. I think that's the, the most likely scenario to come out of this. Good luck to the Blue Jackets. I just don't think you're going to repeat what happened last uh, year. Let's move from there to the New York Islanders versus the Washington Capitals. Uh, it's quite the matchup to take here with some really, really good uh, goaltending as well. I'm going to throw it over to you, Mark. What are the key things to take away from this? Um, I think for the New York Islanders, it's going to be the their ability to shut down the top two lines for Washington. I think they have the gutso. I think they have the strategy. 
Let's not forget Barry Trotz is behind the New York Islanders bench. I'm pretty sure he knows a thing or two about the players he's facing, knows how to play them, knows how to beat them. Um, I think this game is going to come down to which defensive core is the most efficient possession-wise. We both know that their offenses are possession monsters, but it's going to be who is going to step up. Will Carlson, Orlov, uh, and company be able to really play up to their ability? Or will we see guys like Pollock, Letty, uh, you know, Pellick really just kind of rise uh, to the occasion and shut down guys like Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov? So uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Salim, for a second here. Do you think, it, uh, I mean, what would you say here? What's the key, who are the key pieces to make this a success? Uh, Marco kind of nailed it. I think, I think you look at the way Barry Trotz plays. I, there are some, a couple of interesting stats about how the Islanders are the most efficient team in the offensive zone. I think they, they don't spend a ton of time in the offensive zone, but they, like, there's something there. So I, I'll say that. You look at the series that Beauvillier had, it was remarkable. Uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot deadline pickup signs an extension and makes his mark felt. And you add Barzal into that mix as well. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not even their top uh, top player. I I think I would go with with Washington just because they have that experience. Similar to Tampa Bay, they kind of remade their roster a couple of years ago to get more meaty uh, in the bottom six. But again, I, I very much anticipate this will be a six or seven game series, regardless. All right, so let's get those predictions in. So let me, who are you taking in this? I'll go Washington and six. Washington and six. Adam, what are you thinking? Yeah, Caps and Caps six. Caps and six. Marco, what are you thinking? Islanders and five. Islanders and five. Goddamn oh, controversial. Oh, oh. Okay, I'm going to go Islanders and seven, but uh, I think it'll be a hard-fought series either way. And uh, Either of these two teams are just, I'm hoping they earn it because it, it's been a fun watch all the way through. Let's move over to the Western Conference side. I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam. Let's break it down with the Chicago Blackhawks versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, what do you think? What are the big th- plays here? What are the big themes that we have to be aware of? So for Chicago, uh, Crawford needs to keep up, uh, keep up his hot streak. Um, I think defense wise, he's the only one that can do it for Chicago. Um, on the other side, I mean, you, you have Vegas who added Robin Leonard, um, to their goaltending. They, they actually started him last night for game one. And then you have Fleury if, if he doesn't get the job done. And I just love their top six. So I'm, I think Vegas takes this one pretty easily. Um, I think Chicago upsetting Edmonton in the first round was was fun to watch, but I, I think it, it ends here for them. Ooh, ominous prediction. Yeah. Anybody else want to add in uh, other thoughts? Maybe controversial thoughts on that? I'm going to leave it no, like everyone's that. In agreement. Everyone's, everyone's in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to rock the boat on this one. So let me go ahead and throw out the predictions. Who are? What are you taking, Adam? What are you taking? I'm going to go Vegas and six. Vegas is six. Uh, Salim, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Vegas is deeper, more talented. Um, I don't trust, I don't know if Jeremy Carlton either, just the coaching factor and the fact that this is his first year still uh, versus someone like Pete DeBoer. I'll go Vegas. I'll go Vegas with the sweep, actually. Whoa. Okay. You think that Pacioretty factor is going to make a huge difference there? I think that, and just they've been battle tested a couple of years now, and, and I just don't see how, I mean, the, Balotas is speaking of the Blackhawks, but yeah, just I'll go Vegas with the sweep. That'll be my bold prediction. All right, so let's go over to Marco. Um, I also I don't necessarily see a sweep per se because again, there's 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 room for uh, wiggle. I still say Vegas in five. Um, I think that Vegas is extremely deep at center, and that's where they're going to be able to take advantage of guys like Kirby Dak, like they did last night, uh, which allows them to simultaneously shut down both DeBrinket and Kane. 
So if you do that, it'll force Colleton to make changes, and that's when you get him on the ropes. However, once they get Stasny, Pacioretty, and Stone back together, it's lights out. All right. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with... Uh... Uh, I'll keep it here. I'll keep it with the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm not going to change that. I'm going to go with that in six games. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit more safe on that. Let's move over to the Vancouver Canucks with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, f- seven versus four, I guess, in the standings on that. So let's uh, throw it over to Marco. What are the key pieces that we have to be looking at here? Defense. Uh, I think we both know that these teams can put pucks in nets. I think they're both very deep in the top six. However, I think that St. Louis gets the massive, but massive edge on defense. So it really comes down to this. Can Quinn Hughes compensate for a shitty decor in Vancouver? Or will St. Louis rise up again, uh, you know, now that they've added Falk to the same decor they had last year uh, and just really run roughshod, especially on the right side of their defense uh, when it comes to transition and especially on the power play. We saw Vancouver extremely undisciplined as a young team. So if they go to the power play, I fully expect St. Louis to come out of this. All right. So do you want to add anything on that as well? Uh, just that again, St. Louis, you look at the mix that they have, uh, championship pedigree, the fact that they have the Con Smythe winner. Um, it's tough to see, like, like people talk all the time about needing to lose in order you, in order to win. And I think the Canucks are at that stage in their development where they've had some success, but they, they don't quite have that experience to push them over the edge. So I'll go St. Louis. Wow. How many games? St. Louis in six. St. Louis in six. Marco, what are you thinking? I'm thinking St. Louis in six or seven, but I'm going to go, I'm going to lock it down with six. All right. Uh, Adam, what are you thinking? I'll go St. Louis in five. I'm going to say St. Louis in six. All right. So again, the stacks are pretty much in the favor here. Let's throw it over the Arizona Coyotes and the Car- Car- the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, very high powered offense for the Colorado team with McKinnon, Ratnan. Um, you just have like this Probably insane roster in the league. Yeah. I shall throw it over to you. Some. What are your thoughts on this series? Just what you said, uh, top six, that's really deep. You have Nazem Kadri, who, who tends to, when he's not getting into trouble, assert himself positively in these big moments. Um, and a decor, Ryan Graves and, and Eric Johnson, it's, it's so deep. Um, I'll, go, I'll go Colorado with in five. Colorado in five. Marco, what are you thinking? Colorado in four. And Colorado and four. Honest to God, this is the only yeah. reason this will be a series longer than four games is if Darcy Kemper stands on his head. Because defensively, right this That's team cannot keep up with Colorado's not even top six, top nine. Because we haven't mentioned Burkowski. We haven't mentioned TJ, mm. uh, JT Comfer. Uh, Landis Cog is going to run rough shot over everybody. Like, this is just a team designed to destroy you from a possessional standpoint. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I'll go with this sweep as a well. sweep. Colorado Damn, sweep. guys! Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go Avalanche in five. All right, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you something, <laughs> Yotes fans. You're gonna game. get one game. You get a game. You get a game. That's it. All right, let's go to the final series to break down, and that is the Calgary Flames versus the Dallas Stars. I'll throw it over to Slim for your final thoughts. Uh, I I don't know much about about um about this. This was kind of a toss up in my head where you have a team in the Dallas. Stars who's had a lot of adversity this season, but they were they're well constructed. They're very deep at forward. I think the Calgary Flames do have a couple of flaws with their with their roster and and goaltending. I think you give the huge edge to the Stars with Ben Bishop. I would I would have to go with with the Stars in in six. Stars in six. Marco, what are you thinking? Any last thoughts on this series? Absolutely. And what's your prediction? Uh, unfortunately, Bishop was not available last night, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be available for the next game. And that's my X factor. I agree. 
Oh, this really if Bishop were available, I agree. But Kudabin mm-hmm. played last night, and they lost 3-2. I think that this is a huge toss-up. Um, personally speaking, uh, it can go either way. So I think this is going to be a long series. I think this is going to be a seven-game series. And I think ultimately Dallas is the better team, uh, the more um, experienced team. Uh, but I'm, I can't wait to watch Corey Perry and Milan Lucic throw down. <laughs> so how many games in? Seven, Dallas. Seven, Dallas. Adam, final thoughts and what is your prediction? So I think the X factor for this series, if the Stars have any chance of winning, uh, you need their offense to, to really heat up. You have Ben, you have Pavelski, you have Radulov. You have Garyanov, you have Hints and Perry, and now Sigan's back for them. So if they if they they get hot and they start scoring, I think Dallas takes it. But uh, I'll go Dallas Dallas and seven. Interesting. As well. I'm gonna go uh, yeah. Flames and six. All right, so that's it for your playoff preview. We're right here on the hockey floor. First, I want to thank our our first guest and our hopefully a recurring guest as many times as possible. Not if you possible. keep cheering for Calgary. <laughs> uh, Salim uh, is a New York Times contributing writer and you can find all of his work at all the great places where good work is told and sold so you can check that out online you can check out his Twitter at Salim Valji that's S-A-L-I-M-V-A-L-J-I so again t- get in touch with him if you've got a story that you want to share a hockey story or something or even just something more journalistic Salim's the guy to talk to so definitely you know, reach out to him and again thank you to Salim for joining us on the show today Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Good way to, to pass an afternoon for right. sure. It's always yeah. always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. So again, that's been the hockey flow uh, right here on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Marco D'Amico can be found and all of his great work can be found at the hockey expert on Twitter and of course scrimmageandstats.com. You can find really Adam B, who is Adam Boucher on Twitter. He will have all of your insights and you can go and chirp them on Twitter as much as you'd like because these all four, all three of these guys, they just like being chirped on Twitter. You know, they love that. So that's it for the Hockey Flow this week. I'm Major Cordero. We'll be back next week. Cheers. Cheers.